Welcome to the 95 Killers Podcast. We have officially launched our membership page. Becoming a 95 Killers member would allow you access to pre recorded live events on demand and one free workshop each month from myself or another entrepreneur in our network with a live QA. Also included with your membership are how to videos and non traditional methods for monetizing your passions. For more information, visit us at 95killers.com slash membership. Now let's start the show. Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Welcome to season two, episode 10 of the 95 Killers podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham. Today's guest is a Bronx native, fashion accessories curator, public speaker, and founder of V Dazzling Accessories, a boutique showcasing black and brown designers with her mission to sell products that are handmade in the USA. Bee Dazzling Accessories carefully curates unique bohemian style and contemporary designs. Our guest has also taught entrepreneurial studies at Harvey Milk High School, a public school in the East Village of New York City, designed for but not limited to gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender young people. Without further ado, allow me to introduce my friend, Miss Velvet Lattimore to the 95 Killers podcast. Velvet, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Glad to see you here. I'm doing great. I'm so excited to see you and be yes. with you. Man, where do, we, where do we start at? How do we start this podcast? I think we'll start, <laughs> I think we'll start by something that I don't know about you first. Okay. And so I don't know a, a lot about your family life. You don't really talk about them on interviews. I watched a couple. I didn't really see much. Do you have brothers and sisters? I'm the oldest and I have a um, sister. My sister's a dancer and she lives in Maryland. And my brother actually is a comedian. And he, I, you know what? I didn't even mention my brother has a podcast too. Oh, he does? Yeah, okay. he's doing that. And uh, he's a comedian and okay. he lives here in, in New York in the Bronx. What's so. the name of his podcast? I can it's check it out. It's called Welcome to the Hood. Welcome so, to the Hood. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. He reviews hood films or okay. what people base films that are like kind of hoodish, like uh, maybe like a, what was the last one I, I watched? Mm -hmm. Well, he does like hood, like films, like okay. Master P films, or I Got the Hookup, someone would say that's a hood film, okay. allegedly, right. but you might not be a person who's ever seen that. He'll have someone come on the show who's never seen it, watch it, and then give their reaction. Give their reaction to it. Oh, that's yeah. great. And your sister, what is, she's a dancer, what kind of dance does she do? African dance, modern dance, but her specialty is African. And she's a teacher for like a nonprofit. She also works with kids after like a, at a program. So yeah, my sister has been dancing for many, many, many years. And your mom, dad, are they still together? Yeah. Tell me about them. Like, how did you guys grow up? Well, we, I grew up in the Bronx. My parents in a two family household, like fake Cosby's. My dad's a state worker. My mom is school, um, school secretary. So she's city. And so I came from a household with where they worked. Like my parents went to work every day. And my mom is actually still working. My dad is retired. And she's like, I don't want to retire. I'm like, right. Mom, you got to retire. You're almost 70. You need to retire. Right. So, so, <laughs> so are, you, to go. are you the only one in the family who, from a young age, did you know you wanted to work for yourself? Or is this something that happened later on in life? 
I kind of was the oddball with the kids because I was always doing something that was left or my parents were like, ah, I come from a black household where we get spankings. I was the one who would get that first as the oldest and the others would say, oh, I don't want no parts of that. So I was always doing the most. So it wasn't a surprise when I came to my parents and I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to take this time to just be an entrepreneur, which was after I lost my job. And then even before, like when I first met you, I knew then that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I was kind of like not really secure about myself the way that I am now. I've always looked to be a little different. Even when I worked with groups and with people as an employee, I was always the one kind of going to the right. left. So, But tell me a little bit about that story about uh, when we first met. I was in my late 20s. So late I got us out. Yeah, because it was like 2000. I started my business in 2007. I'm 42. Wow, you look great. You know, that's when good, I, when good I, black jeans. <laughs> Listen, when I first met you, uh, I thought you were like a teenager because but what you were doing was different. So tell the story. I don't want to spoil it. Well, originally I was, um, I worked in production, like when you met me. So I worked in the fashion industry. So I had sort of the contacts where I was able to buy and resell Gucci, Fendi, and like name brand products. So I would buy them, resell them to like you and to your friends that you had and different people. I was doing pop-up events before it was even a thing. I had a partner at the time and what we were trying to do was just like sort of flip like name brand designer wear for bags only. And then after a while, the partnership wasn't working, which you know about. And then so I was like, you know, how, what, what is the purpose of me buying from these companies, Gucci or whatever? And then the uptake wasn't the best and then I would have to give half my money back to the buyer to get me that new thing so it was kind of getting boring so once I decided to change that I said well what else could I do and that's when I started to look at my friends who are actually designers and just grab bags and pieces from them hey make me this hey make me that I got with this guy he started like doing a private label for me taking my designs and making my bags for me and then I started reselling them so that's what, and then eventually I started reselling um, different black designers products, which is what I still do now. But one part you miss is your website. You, gotta, oh, you can't leave that yes. out. Yes, and my logo. This <laughs> and really logo. special guy that I met <laughs> named Glenn Graham. He actually, you came up with my first logo and my website. And my website was so cool. You had Jay-Z music on the back. <laughs> you remember? I don't think that you remember. Old. That was so long ago. I don't remember. We used to have crazy mean, stuff back then. I don't think people still do music on websites. No, no, no. But it was cutting edge in 2007. Yeah, 2007, it was everything. Yeah. Right? We had so, Jay-Z going in the back and then you mm -hmm. had put these images up with the designs moving and it was it was a dope website. We did two websites though, you right? We did. You, you, once I left the partner, you redid the website again and then you gave me a new logo to kind of do like my relaunch and that new logo was really dope and then i once i got the store i could not find you and really? so i saw i got the logo i have now but yeah that was funny because oh when, you couldn't find your logo i couldn't find the original vector file uh, whatever right and so someone else created the one that i have now but yeah you created the first one and mm. the second one Wow, that's yes, crazy. Yes. So I got to I gotta push you on this one. Like, I don't want to put you on the spot, but yeah. what happened with the partnership? Because this is the meat and potatoes that people like to know because you kind of said, oh, the partnership didn't work. What were some of the things that, that happened? Well, we both worked at the same job. We were coworkers. We had a lot of the same goals. When I came up with the idea of doing the business, 
she was like, oh, that's cool. And then she started adding in like really great ideas too. And I had the connects of getting the bags. And so she also had like the personality, like she'd go out and get the sale. She was sort of like the salesperson and I was the one getting the contacts to get the products, to get the Gucci and all that. And she was getting the girls and we were doing really well. But the thing I had to realize was that sometimes with partnerships, I was maybe giving 110, 150, and the other person was maybe kind of given 20% or like not everyone's going to match your energy. And I'm very like, I'm the type of person I'm on time. I'm like, if this is what we're doing, I'm in it. I'm, I'm like, sometimes I get a little intense. So that's what made us not be able to continue. And then she realized, you know what, I'm, I'm not having fun with this. It's kind of too much. So let's part ways. And we decided to part ways and we were, we were cool and we, we went our separate ways. Yeah. With partnerships, you have to be on the same path. And she just was not. So you have to really, and that's what anything partnerships, if the person is not on your vibe and you're doing the most and they're kind of like, yeah, I'm going to coast. Did you send this email? No. And then you don't want to micromanage your partner. That was a lot of what we were doing. You don't want to do that. You want to both feel like I'm in this. Oh yeah. Did you contact Glenn? Yep. Did it. Did you? Yep. Did it. You know, and I don't even have to really ask you. You could come to me and say, you know, I talked to Glenn yesterday. We're meeting at four. We're doing this. We're doing that. And it wasn't happening. Right. Right. I mean, thank you for sharing that because a lot of times, you know, <clears throat> when I talk to people and the partnerships come about because, you know, they were friends or one person had the money and they put it up, but you guys were equal partners, yes, correct? Yes. Uh, and one of the things that kind of, I remember that stuck out of my mind, even from that time was when you, when I was doing your website, we had meetings. You remember back then we had, we had these meetings Yes. and I only saw you. And then I think the third <laughs> meeting, I was like, you sure you got a business partner? I, I thought you were, I thought you were making it up. I thought you were trying to like put this other person there. And then when I was like, you really got a business partner? I said, no, you don't. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that, and that's why we're not together. Wow. That's cool. Do it you was a lot speak? of that. No, no, no. We lost touch. She moved last time I heard, like, to out, out of New York. So we haven't spoken. No, wow. it wasn't a bad breakup, thank God. Right. It could have been bad. But I think she also realized that it takes work. And you can't just say, I'm a business owner just for the... A lot of people think that saying, I'm an entrepreneur, is, like, a great title. But you have to do the work. You can't just say, I'm an entrepreneur. Like like you said, we have meetings. We, we have to really do real work, like, in order for us to right. make money. Right. When you think about now, like, because now you work with other brands, right? Yes. You bring them into, like, you had a brick and mortar store. I've yes. been there before. Yes, for um, 12 years. Right. So tell me, because we lost contact after the website, I like, know. a little bit, a couple years after that. And then next time I saw you, I was in, I believe. You, you were in Dumbo. I was in Dumbo. <laughs> and, I, and I found your shop, right? <laughs> and I came in there, and it was good to see you. But yes. Tell me a little bit, how did that shop start out and, and evolve over the years? And Okay. Yeah, well, um. Like I said, I was doing a lot of pop-ups when it wasn't really a title. And I was going and doing home parties like the Avon lady. I did Circle of Sisters at Jacob Javits for like three years. And it became really exhausting. And my sister said to me, well, wouldn't it be cool? Also, I would go to people's houses like in really, I don't know if I can curse, shitty neighborhoods. I would go to like, I used to go to Far Rockaway, meet people. I used to meet people at the train. And so one time I was complaining to my sister and my sister said, well, wouldn't it be cool if you would just get like your own store? And I said, oh, I can't afford a store. She said, how do you know? Why don't you go on Google and put in small stores or affordable stores for rent? That's what it was. I put that in Google and Craigslist popped up and my shop came up. First thing, first listing. 
And I said, nah, this is, this is weird. Like, why is it so cheap? The rent originally was $700, $750. And I thought, mm, let me go check it out. So I called, made an appointment, met with the broker. And I was like, this is such a great neighborhood, but why is it so cheap? And the guy said, oh, we're brand new. We're just trying to try this out. It's like a brand new development. We want to see how this goes. So I was one of the first people in that um, mall space that you saw. Yeah. So all of the tenants that you saw, we were like the test pilot kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I was really lucky. I mean, God was on my side. So I told the guy I want it now. Like, <laughs> I was like, uh, he says, well, you could think about it. I said, no, 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 I want it because this is really great. This is my store. And um, so I, I put the money down and I got really lucky because, you know, it was on Google and it was on Craigslist. Craigslist can be shady but it was great and another thing too the neighborhood wasn't dumbo then mm -hmm. it was just sort of like it was really it was desolate a lot of warehouses there was no foot traffic in the beginning because nobody was living there yet it took me two years and then the second year that's when it hit that's when the neighborhood changed people started moving in a lot of the warehouses were closing and then hurricane sandy happened and when Hurricane Sandy happened, it was a wrap. Like, I did really well because, unfortunately, a lot of people couldn't come back into the community. A lot of the warehouses were, like, wiped away. And so when they redid the community, and they got all this money for the incentive to redo the community, because we were right in Zone A, so everything was, like, demolished. And I got lucky because I was inside of a mall. That's when people came. And then celebrities started moving there and... It became a community with people who like the Dumbo that you see today. And so in that two years before all this happened, how were you able to sustain your rent and everything oh, oh at, in this place? Because I remember how Dumbo used to oh, work before. You like, remember, right? Yeah, I it remember. was nothing but like real characters. It was shady. I didn't know if I was going to make it. I went and I got so many different part-time jobs. I remember I, had, I did like... Um, distribution for uh, like flyers for a tax company. I did odd jobs. I was a tour guide on the double-decker red buses that you see in Manhattan. Worked there. And then they went out of business and I got unemployment. So one year I was on unemployment from the bus company. So I got lucky. And I'm not afraid of work. So I will take any kind of side hustle, little... I took a lot of like BS jobs. And then I would make sure that they were in the morning or at night. And then I would go to the shop right after whatever I was hustling with. I remember when I was a tour guide, I worked from 7 to seven to 1, 7 a.m. Because tourists come up at that time. So 7 a.m., 1 in the afternoon, get to the shop, change my uniform, put on my clothes, you know, try to wash up in the bathroom and look presentable. And then I'm at the shop from 1 to 7. That takes a, it's a different type of hustle, huh? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. People are like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Right. And you're like, okay. But did you do the work? Because it's a lot right. of work, a lot of dark days. There was days I couldn't get on the train. And I was one of those people, could you swipe me? Sure. And thank God I'm like presentable. I don't look creepy. And people would say, oh, yes, miss. And they would swipe me. So, yeah, I had like had some, had some rough days. A lot, of, a lot of rough days. A so, lot. So something that you mentioned in uh, one of your interviews, you mentioned that, um, and something I've seen myself, is you do... The, the kind of uh, artists that you have in your boutique and when mm -hmm. you even on your website now, VDazzlingAccessories.com? Yes, yes. yes. Are people, people of color, mainly women. How did that get started? Well, it started out with friends. A lot of my friends are designers, and I saw how hard it was to break into the industry, even for myself as a person who worked in production. It's like no movement. And I felt like I could foster people's dreams 
because I have the space now. I have the platform. So why not show your stuff with me? I have a lot of people that I have on consignment. And I also used to do pop-up shops within the store. And sometimes I wouldn't even charge some of the designers. I would like maybe take a percentage of the sale. My percentage was never high. That way it allows you to grow as a, a designer or a business owner. I feel like a lot of the times women don't get opportunities, especially designers, especially black designers, and especially accessory designers. That's another like little niche that sometimes gets overlooked because we're so busy looking at the garment and the um, other aspects, but you forget about the person who makes the belt, the shoes, the necklace, the jewelry is really important. And so once I started seeing that there was a hole in the market for that and speaking to a lot of my friends who are already in the fashion industry and they would say, oh yeah, you know, it was really hard. I went for this, I went for that. And it just sort of, I'm like um, something that spoke to my heart mainly because it did start with a lot of my struggling friends who are designers. And I wanted to make sure that I had a place for them to showcase their designs. And it actually took off. So I was doing the whole buy black thing initiative right. before it was cool. <laughs> right, right. Here's my thought on it. After COVID hit, right. Um, and even before COVID hit, there had been companies that started riding the wave of buying black, right? For example, you take BT for instance. BT is owned by Viacom. Yeah. They cater to the black audience, but it's not a black owned company. So there's another company. This is a, a real sleazy, I don't know about BT, but this is a sleazy company called, um, <laughs> they're very sleazy. <laughs> they're called um, a State of Mind. That's the name of the company, uh, State of Mind, NYC.com. That's their website. They started, they took it another step further. After the, after like the, um, the different killings, like, like mm -hmm. George Floyd and all George these people, Floyd, yeah. all yeah, these people started coming up. I remember I was sitting in Central Park. This was in the, maybe right around, right after that time. And people just started coming into the park. And it was mainly, it wasn't a lot of black people there, but it was mainly like white people there, right? And I remember seeing these, this, this black kid and a Latino kid, they came up to me and they were selling this, this, um, these wallets and these other things. And I was just like, you know, they said, oh, you know, support us. We, you know. We're, we're a black owned business and, and we're getting our start. And then my ears raised. I'm like, great. I'm like, you know, cause I was excited cause they were so young, like probably like 17 years old. Wow. And I was like, listen, I don't have any cash. Um, but I was thinking in my mind, you know what? Give me your Instagram because I was going to try to bring him on the show. But they said, don't worry, you don't need cash. Um, we will, um, we take card. And that's when my antenna went up. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, y'all have a card machine? They had a little card machine. Yeah. And something about it didn't ring right with me. I said, look, give me your give me your Instagram and I'll check you guys out. Took their Instagram, went on it the next day because I was going to contact them and buy some of the merch. And to my disappointment, I found out that it was this company called State of Mind that was hiring all these young black and Latino kids and sending oh. them out and trying to pass it off as a black owned business. Oh my god yeah terrible and then i went to the their page saw the stuff and the the owner is this british dude and then he had when people started to outcry because i i made a comment to him and we started like just really commenting on the page and and then he said oh i didn't say that i was a black owned i i employ black and, and i have black partners right so i went and i checked out one of the partners um who they were trying to pin it on and he was also working for this guy Wow. Now I know why you said sleazy. So sleazy. When I say sleazy. Yes. So, so here's my issue. The, the point I want to say is this. So the issue is this. There's people that, that are not black that are trying to make profit off of black, buying black. And then there's, there's also sleazy black people yes. and minorities <laughs> who they don't do good service. And, and they will sell to you strictly because it's black owned. How do you guard against parasites 
like that that would, you know, capitalize on that kind of stuff to make a sale? Yeah. Well, first of all, I make sure that I say that I feature and I showcase people of color, designers of color, right? right? So I say that I showcase them so that you know that it is a person of color, but it's not necessarily because I'm pushing the agenda of buy black, buy black. Because right. you've been to my website and I, I don't I don't push it. I just say people of color and then you can go read their, I have a maker series where you could see them talk about what they do. But what I do is I make sure that the designers that I decide to work with and collaborate are actually like really passionate about what they're doing. Even if, cause I have like one designer and they have a partnership with um, a white woman, which is not a big deal, but I want to know where your heart is as a designer. So if I'm going to have you as a designer, then that's fine. But I need you to be like, really like saying, this is what I'm doing. I'm really passionate about the, the products that I'm making as a maker. And yeah, I happen to be a, a black woman making these designs. I guess, I don't know if I answered it, but you have to make sure that the person is legitimate in it. Like I'm making this because I love what I do. And you can feel it through the products. Like I'm wearing one of a black designer. Mm -hmm. This is 84 gem. Everything I wear is by different black designers. designers. Yeah. So you gotta, if, if there's no passion, you'll see that this guy, state of mind, they had good stuff. But eventually it falls through the crack because they're not passionate about what they're doing. Even if he was a white guy just saying, I employ and I showcase black designers, right? See, Which is fine. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm fine with that's that. That's fine with that. But don't push the agenda and say, oh, buy black. And then have these guys come out looking like parasites. Just say, I employ black people. It's kind of like the initiative with other white owners that work and collaborate with black um, people. Mm-hmm. Trying to think of one real quick on the fly. There's a lot. There's Reebok, a lot. All of them. Right. Um, and, and I'll tell you right. something. What, what, but they're is, not pushing it so it looks sleazy. They're just sort of like, oh, I'm, I'm collaborating with Kirby or I'm collaborating with, well, I don't want it to go into the celebrities. So that's another story. That's celebrityism. Right. Yeah, so celebrityism. And then, and I, I'll tell you what, the, my only issue is that, is that they're doing, some people are doing it because that is trending. I work at a business. They wanted to use my blackness to sell the fact that I've learned from this company, but they didn't want to give me a position in the company. You understand yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. I've uh, been there. Of, of work. <laughs> so that means, and so I told, and I told this manager one day, you know, that they asked me to do a video of commercial for the store and I, and I told them, no, they wanted to pay me. Um, first of all, they didn't want to pay me. They wanted to just pay me with whatever I get paid an hourly, my hourly rate, which is different than what I get paid as a person doing acting, right? They like, so I have a problem with you using me as a prop. Of course, you should. I'm not a prop, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not a person that you're gonna just, you can, like, it's a dog and pony show. I'm, you're gonna you're gonna take me out when the guests come around and say, look, we got black guys working here, yep. but you're not giving me an, a real opportunity. I need an opportunity. When you feed in a homeless person, do you go stick a camera in his face and say, yo, look, I'm feeding homeless people? Or do you give them the food and then you be done with it? So I have a problem with this this idea that you're gonna use us as like puppets and and you're gonna benefit. And it's it's a nice speaking point to say, yo, I'm 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 giving yeah. all these black people opportunity, like like Reebok and all these people, but I wanna know the people in the organization, the salespeople. Are you taking care of them? Are you listening to them? Are you giving them opportunities in exactly. the business? Mm-hmm. That's what really matters, right? It's, and I agree. Because you can see the difference between, okay, remember I told you I was doing this in 2010. Mm-hmm. Like I was already doing this before it was like a thing. So 
you can see the difference in the people who are already employing or believed in the initiative of supporting the community of black people, indigenous people, people of color, right? But then all of a sudden this surge now, there's like people who have never even shown at all that they were down with buying black or trying to buy black. Now all of a sudden they're like pushing the agenda. And so it comes off as fake, like you said. So are you just doing this that you look good? Now I'm giving out masks to all these amazing black essential workers. Or were you doing anything for essential? That's even not just black. People did not give a shit about essential workers until now. Where They weren't caring about the grocery guy. I always did. When Grubhub, I make sure that I tip. Were people doing this in 2010, 2000? Well, I don't know. Were, you know what I mean? You right. can tell the difference of the people like Target and um, Walmart. And there are different other big chains. They were already incorporating and seeking out black women to put into their stores. So there was already an initiative initiative in place for that. Mm-hmm. But then there's these other brands that they just started it literally now because we're putting our foot on their neck saying, okay, what are you doing? The fight to <laughs> me, it really is, is... Not even. I'll tell you what the fight missing is. Missing the point. The, I think that a lot, it's about missing the point. A lot of people are missing this point is that it's not about giving X amount of black people a position. Yes. That they didn't earn. Right. It's that when you know that they've earned it, give it to them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Is that so hard? Exactly. Don't say it's like sort of just saying, OK, let's let's hire Glenn because he's black and fills the quarter. Yes. Now he's here. Now he's here. And he's just here. If the person is qualified and they can do the job, give it to them. Give right? it to them. A lot of the times black people get overlooked because of the color of their skin and they don't even get the opportunity. So you're already shut out before it even starts. Right. So. Being from the production industry, I was always the only black girl and I was always the youngest. So people would say, oh, okay. And then I'm, I've get along with everyone. I'm one of those people. Right. So they would, I remember one time I worked at a production company and this woman said, um, you go far in life. You have a great disposition and you're not like the other girls like you. And I said, what other girls like me? And then I, I asked her that and she says, you know, like, you know, <laughs> you just, you have lovely disposition and you'll do well. I was an intern. I was like 19 and I was trying to break into the fashion industry. And she yeah. told me that fast forward. I realized what she was saying. You a good one. We can work with you. Right. You're the black girl that we can kind of like have you right. in the office and you, you won't make any problems. Right. You aren't going to make problems. <laughs> you don't spread, you know, you don't right. make waves. Right. You're not too loud, allegedly, in their mind. Because you, you know me for years. I'm not that girl. But right. I understand that people feel threatened by a certain thing. And that, that's not fair to hire someone like me because you feel like, oh, okay, we can kind of control her. And she's a good black girl. Right. Don't you ever feel like it, it's one of those things where people are looking for people they feel comfortable around, right? right and so they, they feel like, I'm not intimidated by this one. Because I tell you one thing, I've been around you, right? And once you get to know you, you are a very laid back person, but you are a businesswoman. Yes. So after a while, when somebody gets to see that business side, if they're not secure in who they are, they're going to have a problem with you. Yeah, and that's what happens. That happens, right? And that's what I know, happens. I know. And I always get fired. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I'm an entrepreneur. Right, I right. got fired from a lot of production companies. Because in the beginning, they're like, oh. And then when I challenge them, it's right. like, oh, wait, but I thought Velvet was the good one. Why is she asking us these questions? I would always have a challenge about raises. Why is Susie getting a raise and we're on the same team? Or somehow people would tell me like what's going on mm. in the office and I would challenge, how come Glenn is allowed to do this? Right. My one company I had, which is the one that they let me go, I said, why do we get all these 
great Jewish holidays. I love it. But why can't I have Martin Luther King off? My boss was like, because we just don't give you that holiday. It's a certain amount of holidays in the year. And I said, well, I feel like I should have it off because you right. get Passover off. And she was like, okay, only you. You're the only one. And so when she did that, like the few other black people got upset and it became right. a thing. And then eventually I found my way out the door. Oh, wow. Oh, they got rid of you? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So wow. passive way. Like, you know, oh, we lost a lot, a lot of like leads and our sales are low. So we have to let people go. What have you learned working for other people that you applied to working for yourself now? Well, I learned that you still need to work hard. Like I said, work, working hard is very important building relationships which is what got me a lot of jobs i'm not gonna lie so every time i would get somehow fired or laid off as they would say i would build i would already have a relationship with the people who are at the job i built relationships with people at the factories people would look for me when i was gone and somehow they would find me or through email or i would run into people hey oh i was looking for you I got an opportunity for you and then I will land into another job. So I did learn the value of relationships and relationship building. I learned that right out the gate of being an employee, that it's important who you make friends with in the office and who can get you to whatever you need at the, at that time within the um, organization. So when I became a business owner on my own, I realized, okay, Glenn can do this for me and such and such can do that for me. So let me, contact Glenn and see how I can. So it's just, it's like an extension of that when you become on your own, because now I really need the relationships because you might have a nugget for me to help me to get a sale or to help me to get a lead or to help me get into a buyer and talk to a buyer and stuff like that. Also learned that, hmm, that's a good one. Because <laughs> I've been just going, I right. just like going with the, like I've been running for so many years. But I, I, I do think the most valuable thing was relationship building because I learned how to cultivate and work with people. And I learned how to deal with personalities because when you work in an office, you got to deal with a whole bunch of personalities. So that allows me to work with my artists because a lot of my artists have a lot of personalities. As Erica Badu say, they're very sensitive about their stuff. If you give any kind of critical feedback or this is not doing well in sales, well, why? Why is my product? It's something you're doing because I do well. And so it's like that kind of, so knowing how to work with people and when I had a shop, it you deal with all kind of people and you've done retail before and it's a little bit different when it's your shop because you got to deal with all kind of people who come in, even if you're having a hangover day or a bad day, people come in, you have to have a smile. So it's sort of that when you work in an office dealing with people, I'm dealing with people again and I have to give my best customer service because it's mine. Right. So I don't right. want a bad Yelp review. I don't want bad Google review. Because that will kill me. So I'm always on. Have you had any major failures that as a business owner that you've learned from and that you that you wouldn't repeat? Hmm. Okay, so when I first started the store, I kind of just got a store. Remember I told you, I just was like, I'm getting a store. Okay, I'm doing this. So I put money down on this lease. There were so many things with running a, a retail store that I, I, I was not knowledgeable about. Because again, I didn't have real training. I kind of just opened a store. I would get hit consistently with uh, the consumer affairs people. It's like they would come into you and be like these secret shoppers. Next thing you, yes. Wait, tell me about that. Yes. Give me some, give me people the meat don't know now. about that. Yeah, I don't know. You have tell a, me. These little boutiques, they come in there and they come for you ready. And the first time 
I, I was just sort of like talking to, you know me, I'm like talking to everything, come in the store, hey, how are you doing? Nice to meet you, whatever. And the guy is talking to me, he has like a Met shirt on, looking like an average guy. And then after a few minutes, he says, oh, well, where are your signs posted about your store policies? And I said, there's a store, there's right there, no refunds. He says, well, what's the explanation about the no refunds? I said, well, you know, I don't give him no refunds. <laughs> and he says, well, you know, that's, you can't do that. And I said, oh, okay. I'm thinking like, what is it? Guy, right? what, do you, what does it matter? Are you buying something? Get the hell out. Like what, like, but I'm still in a good space. So I was kind of just going with it. And he was like, yeah. So you're going to get a fine for that. And he pulls out his badge and he tells me he works for the Department of Consumer Affairs. And I was like, oh. <laughs> what does a fine like that look like? That one was small. Well, for me, it was huge because I was struggling already. It was the first three months in business. Right. That was $70. Right. So the next time another lady came the next year, I missed her. But somebody told me because one of my neighbors had got hit. Um, but it's almost like they were waiting because they came. I went to Starbucks, came back, missed her. The next day, someone came in, $110 fine because my receipts. So what people don't know is that your receipts have to have the name and address. And I was using staple generic receipts, right? So I did get out of that one. I, I was like pleading with the lady, please, I'm super new. Oh, and she says, okay, if I come back and I don't see that you have a correct receipt, I'm going to give you that fine. That's $110. I had a sandwich board. The sandwich board is $120. If you put the board too close to the sidewalk of the curb or too far into the, there's a, there's a thing with the sandwich boards. People who are listening to you and have boutiques or little coffee shops, they know. So when you walk through the streets and you see that the, the sandwich boards, you'll see there's an angle you get a fine for the sandwich board if it's too close to the curb. I wasn't there. My intern was there and I escaped that one. <laughs> I escaped that one, right. but I did get the one. So I got one. It was like, they kept hitting me. But how do you find, how does one find out what to do? Like, is there a, a rule book? I guess yes. so, so, so tell us about that. So after the fifth or sixth time, <laughs> and this one was like a hundred and something dollars and I couldn't escape it. I, I had kind of asked the person who came in that day and it, she happened to be a sister and she was understanding, but she was like, I still got to give you that fine. I said, what do I do? So she said, go to the department of consumer affairs.com DCA, I think dot org, or you can just go to three one one, pull up the, the rules. There's a whole rule for retail stores, small retail stores of my size. And then you can read every single rule and then they update it every year. So every year there's a new rule because, you know, the city always wants to make money off you. And it's so crazy because we're the small business people. Go charge Starbucks. They don't do that. They'll come to you, the little guy. Hey, $110. Hey, here's $500. It's crazy to find. And then you're like, they pull these numbers. They're like odd numbers. $78 fine for not having your sign posted correctly. Or there's another fine. They have that. You have to have your hours posted on the door. Okay. Or somewhere on your like you get an awning sign. If it's not correct, that's another. Oh, man, that was. Wow. Nightmare. I don't miss having a store. OK, so that was one. <laughs> I don't miss it. I like that but, yeah, one. You can go to the anybody, any of your listeners who don't know, you can go to the Department of Consumer Affairs. You can fight. I went all the way down to um, Battery Park. That's where their main office is at on Broadway. I did fight one ticket and I was able to pay partial. So if you come in person and you speak to a judge or whomever, 
they can sometimes give you a bit. It's like a parking ticket. Right. It's like a parking ticket. Yeah, you can still go and fight it if you have the time. But they bank of you not having the time. I like this story. Um, tell me another um, failure that you had as a businesswoman. So that was number one. Second was taxes. Right. Mm, okay. So there's a different tax that I have to pay as a store owner. And I was paying taxes as a as an LLC, just business tax. But there was a different form that I did not fill out correctly. Oh, that thing came back. It was like, you owe $5,000. I wanted to die. And so I called the IRS. I worked them. Like, I got like this. Ugh, it was crazy. So they did change some of the fees for me. But I still ended up ha having to pay $1,200. Set me up with a payment plan. And I was paying slowly. But yeah, the taxes. And I was doing my own taxes. And I just, clearly I wasn't doing it correctly. So definitely get your taxes in order because the taxes will kill you. And that, that was a big blunder in the beginning. Cause again, I was so new. I didn't even know that there was a different classification. Mm -hmm. I was still running it like how, when you met me, like I'm just a girl on the street selling stuff. And no, you're not the girl on 125th street selling products anymore. You're selling at a store and there's right. a different tax classification for right. the store. So yeah. You said that at some point you went on the books and you went legit yeah. completely. So what did that process entail and why did you do it? Well, I did it because, again, someone came into my store, one of these consumers. Because in the beginning, I just got the store. And so the consumer affairs person said that you have to have your um, certificate of authority listed on your wall with your EIN number. And I was like, oh, I don't have that. So I got a ticket for that. And <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lot of tickets. I'm telling you, boy, I'm, people don't know. Mm -hmm. They don't know. That's like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Really? Okay. What else? Let me hear some more stories because I have it. So I decided to go. I went to LegalZoom.com. So the process was really easy. I only paid like $100. Got my EIN number. I got my certificate of authority. They sent it to me in the mail, posted that on the wall, right by the register so that everyone can see I'm a legal business. And um, that was it. It was very easy because of the website that I used. And they were very, LegalZoom is so easy. Even when I trademarked my name, it wasn't. Just email them, they email you back, pay, done. So it was right. really, it took me five minutes. Oh, that's great. That's and I great. even got the, I got the certificate within a week. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And so they give you a printout that you could, a PDF file that you can print out and mm -hmm. put as a temporary one in case somebody comes in or like another agent or whatever. But, and then you get the real one, the orange certificate, and then you put that on the, I think it's blue now, but back then it was orange. orange right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now <laughs> you I, gave us, you I gave, gave so you many, yeah, you gave, no, you gave me a lot of <laughs> that great information. 12 so, years, Glenn, I could give stories. <laughs> I, I see. So I have like one final question for you. What advice would you give for um, a person going into business? Never been an entrepreneur before. Um, what should they look out for? What should they, how to make the best out of the, out of the situation? And what should they expect? I think that if you're going to be an entrepreneur, first of all, you need to figure out what exactly you want to do and like, don't do it because you're trying to make a quick buck. Because in my line of work, business goes up and down when you do retail sales. So you're going to have low days and high days. So you have to really have a purpose for doing this or else you're out. You're like, you're not seeing money fast enough. And you're, you're like, what is the purpose? Right. So if you're doing something that you really enjoy, and I hate to sound like Oprah Winfrey, it is legit. When people say you do what you love, you don't even notice how long or 
how much time you're putting into it because you're enjoying your time. I would be in the store sometimes all day from 12 to 7. And some days I wouldn't have not one person in there. But to me, I was cool. I had my music on and I would rock out and do some stuff online. You really have to find something that you're doing that you really love to do. Because if not, you are going to die because you're going to have a lot of low days um, where you're just spending capital that you really don't have. So that's first things first. Find out what exactly you want to do, what sector of business you want to go into. Also, I feel like just knowing that what you're getting into and being not afraid to work at it. Because entrepreneurship, for me, it's not easy. You have to really keep at it thinking of ways like you, you're always pivoting and doing something new. You have to figure out how to keep reinventing yourself and still having it with integrity. If you are just the type of person that you're just not interested in working or afraid of working, or you're like, oh, okay, it's going to just come to me that easy. Even if you're an influencer, you have to work. You have to find people to collaborate. You have to find companies. You have to build up your social media. So anything you do is not going to be easy. So you have to be not afraid to work. And so I think that's the most important thing for me is just because I meet so many people that say they want to be entrepreneurs. And I'm like, so what are you doing? Crickets. They just like the title, man. Like, I really have learned that. I'm like, people like it's to trendy. say I own a bit. Right. How do you get your collaborations and then how do you foster those relationships in the first place? Well, a lot of artists come to me when I had the shop. It was like people would just drop in and say, hey, you know what? I have a friend. She's a designer. I think you would be interested in her. Can I tell her to give you a call? I'm like, hey, yeah, sure. I'm very easy. I look for people who have the same kind of integrity as me. So if I'm going to collaborate with you, I don't want to be in a situation like I told you, because I don't want partners anymore. I want to do collaborations with people who I don't have to jump on top and ask, did you send me the proposal? Did you send me? Like, I don't want to do that. So any artists that I work with, they have like the same wavelength as me. They're talking about pop-ups. How do I create something with you? What can we do to get my brand out more in your store? Also, I'm very easy. It just has to be something that is creative. And I think that people will buy and you can't be afraid of like getting criticism because I know what the customer is looking for because they come into the shop and use, you know, all the time. But yeah, like for me, I just really look for people who have the same vibe as me to collaborate with. I'm, anybody can email me, call me, send me their stuff. I'm definitely willing to look at it or collaborate with you. Not even an artist collaboration. If you are just maybe like how we're collaborating now. Right. Well, I don't know. Is this a collaboration? This is a collaboration. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> like this. Yeah. Like yeah. a podcast. They can call you up. Okay. Yeah. Anybody could. I'm, you can call me, email me if you're like really serious. Yeah. I don't, I just don't want to collaborate with people because I have had a lot of those in the past where they're like, oh yeah, let's do some things. It's kind of like that old cliche, let's do lunch. And then I'm kind of following behind you. And it happened. Right. Yeah. Like, when do you want to meet? When do you want to have a meeting? Are you free for a meeting? I just want people who are like, like want to get it done. Get, yeah. Jumping in, you know? That's great. Yeah. Man, well, I really appreciate this interview. I think your journey has been just spectacular to watch. I'm watching you grow every day. I'm seeing you give opportunities to different entrepreneurs. Um, even you even have like a coaching, right? You're doing coaching with oh, the kids. Yes, I, I forgot teach about part time that. with the kids. You yes. teach like the uh, entrepreneur school yes. for high schools, right? Yes. Uh, yes. That's very impressive. Yes. So yeah, just I just wish you the best and everything. And where can people find you? And how can they get in touch with you? Well, you can find me at vdazzlingaccessories.com. That's V E D A 
zzlingaccessories.com. Mm-hmm. Instagram, I'm V Dazzling. Twitter, V Dazzling. Social, like all my social media is the same. V-dazzling. Twitter, everything's V Dazzling. LinkedIn, V Dazzling Accessories, and Facebook, V Dazzling Accessories. Excellent. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Glenn. Right. You're the best. Thank Anytime. you. Anytime. <laughs> Thanks once again for tuning into the 95 Killers podcast. You can now visit us on our website at 95killers.com. We truly appreciate your continued support. Take care of yourself and your families and keep killing those comfort zones. Until next time, peace. to five killers podcast is now available for your listening pleasure on spotify apple podcast and stitcher